1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we will not only bring you thought leaders from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the Impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations, and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday. Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry, you can download us because we're on every major podcast platform from Google to Stitcher to Spotify, um, all over the web, just put in Leadership Beyond Borders. And I also invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders@gmail.com, at gmail.com or go to the website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Now, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless of your business is international or local. Make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, to today's episode, a subject that I really love. You know, and when you look at culture in the sense of communities, you know, nations or groups, it's a vital and important determining factor of how communities react, respond, and grow. Now, culture plays a many role in the lives of everyone in a community and gives people a sense of belonging, especially when everyone speaks the same language. And I don't necessarily mean that literally. Now, Corporate culture is not much different. It provides people with a sense of belonging, commitment, and when a company has a positive culture, people are working towards a common goal the company will grow. But many companies today are now struggling to rediscover or redefine their culture. As we move from an office environment to a virtual environment and then to a hybrid environment, many companies have shifted or even lost their culture. And today we're going to speak with an expert in corporate culture in this new hybrid world. Our guest today is Gustavo Rossetti, and he's the CEO and founder of Fearless Culture. He is a profilic writer, author of four books on cultural change. Gustavo's insights have been featured in the New York Times, Psychology Today, Forbes, BBC, and Fortune. Now, he has a new book out on the market, Design a Company Culture That Will Help You Thrive in a Hybrid Workplace. And this is on Amazon and a great read. Fearless Culture is a culture design consultancy that helps teams do the best work of their lives. And for more than 20 years, Gustavo has helped leaders from Fortune 500 companies to startups to nonprofits and everything in between to try to get culture right. He is the creator of the Culture Design Canvas, a framework used by thousands of teams and organizations across the world to map, access, and design their culture. And so, Gustavo, welcome to the show today.
2: Hi, Kimberly and everyone (laughs) listening. Great to to be here. Thank you for hosting me. Very excited to, looking forward to this conversation as
1: well. Yeah. You know, I I read the book, um, fantastic job. So I I just want to ask you, you know, what, you know, we went through the pandemic, we're kind of in a hybrid culture now. Um, What did, what pushed you to write this new book? because you have several we have several books on the market.
2: Absolutely to be honest like uh the pandemic accelerated lots of things and forced many organizations to pivot and redefine their business and approach and that happens exactly to me I had to rethink my business but also I was writing a book on culture and and the pandemic basically challenged everything disrupted the way we do things here and I started writing a lot of articles working with different companies on, on giving them advice, and at some point people will tell me, "Hey, can you put together your insights, your findings?" <laughs> and and that, here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, here we are. You're right. I mean, everything has shifted. But let's let's just talk about culture in general first, okay, mm-hmm. for our audience. Um, you know, what is culture, and and why does it matter? Why is it so important?
2: Culture precedes results. So, a uh, and one thing about culture is it's something that usually uh, tends to be invisible when everything's going all right. You talk about corporate culture, but culture also affects family groups. It affects a sports team, right? Every time we have people working together towards a a shared future, a culture comes to play. When everything's all right, you don't get to notice because people communicate, collaborate, interact in a very uh, organic and fluid uh, way. However, when there are issues, culture becomes really noticeable, it becomes painful, sometimes toxic, because it gets in the way. So in the end, culture is a collection, it's a system that includes how we feel, you know, our feelings, our emotions, how we feel about our workplace, about our team, about our co-workers. It's about the shared future, you know, that, that what are we trying to achieve together, that purpose that brings the team towards a, a shared North Star. And lastly is how we operate that functional set of culture that includes agility decision making and and so on and so forth
1: Okay. Um, when you were saying that, I just uh, kind of had a little joke in my head that uh, somebody should revisit the German football team's culture <laughs> after the first time. <laughs> <game, I know. laughs> so, and you're Italian, so I'm German. Anyways, <laughs> well, you know, so, anyways, um, uh, you know it, 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 this is also important, okay? And um, now we've gone, you know, we talked a little bit the pandemic, and we've gone from an office-centric to a digital-centric environment. Um, and um, what has what has it done to our culture? How has that shifted what we're doing?
2: I think one of the uh, most important uh, aspects that happened regarding the pandemic is it accelerated things. Now, when we talk about revolutions, in this case, a revolution in the workplace, Revolutions don't happen overnight. They mm-hmm. become visible overnight. So the pandemic accelerated lots of tensions and issues that were already uh, happening in the workplace. To be honest, most organizations don't have healthy culture, don't have very good cultures. And they didn't know that or they were avoiding the conversation and the pandemic put that uh, in perspective. So their companies, for example, Unilever, they used to have a very agile a very purpose-centric culture, and they thrived during the pandemic. So there are many companies that actually, they became better during the pandemic because they were ready. And many others blamed the pandemic, but actually the pandemic uncovered or amplified issues they were having before. To your point, many companies weren't intentional about designing culture. They trusted that, hey, because we have people, like you mentioned, office-centric, you No, know, they think that, ah, because we work together in the same place, That's where culture and magic happens. But actually, proximity doesn't guarantee belonging, doesn't guarantee collaboration, doesn't guarantee success. I use an example that sometimes people don't like it, but you can think of couples. There are many couples that have been living together for many decades, and there's no passion. Yeah, they share the same roof, maybe the same (laughs) bed, but in the end, nothing happens. So proximity it doesn't necessarily guarantee that. And so I think it's about becoming more intentional. What companies have realized, in a, whether you're working at the office, whether you're working remotely, or a combination of both, if you want to have a strong culture, you need to be very, very intentional about how to design it. Mm-hmm.
1: and 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 i want to i want to follow that up with a question but i have a comment on the proximity i mean you're right because you i mean we I, I, you know i I really like the insights and you do this in your book that you know many people really didn't have a culture and then all of a sudden they blame zoom for destroying the culture when when actually it was never there in the first place <laughs> um, <laughs> so i know um so um I, let's Let's talk about the culture, because in your book, you talk about three types of culture and And we're kind of talking about culture in a big crystal ball. But for our listeners, um, you know what what are the three types of culture that kind of merge into to building a culture?
2: The three elements of culture are a basically a, you mentioned the tool, the culture design canvas. So the first thing has to do with alignment. So if you're building a culture, you need to align the team into what's the shared, what I call the shared future. So basically, why are we here? Why do we exist as a team or as a company? What are we trying to achieve? And that includes the purpose. So that North Star that mm-hmm. we drive, it includes the core values, what are the things that we, uh, the principles that did our behavior. It has to do with the priorit- uh, priorities and also the behaviors that we reward and punish because values per se mean nothing. They're empty words. If then you don't follow through which the behaviors. So mm-hmm. that's the long-term vision for culture. Then the second element of culture is the belonging. What we call the glue that brings people together. It's the emotional culture that includes a psychological safety. How do we feel? Do we feel safe to bring our full selves to work to speak up, to share our uh, questions, to ask for help, and so on and so forth. It also includes how we give feedback to help uh, each other learn and grow, and the team rituals that bring that emotional culture to life in in a collective way. Lastly, the third element of culture is a functional side of culture which defines what's the speed, the adaptability, the agility that your company has. And that includes how you make decisions as a team, how you manage collaboration meetings, both synchronous and asynchronous, and lastly, the norms and rules that guide how the team should operate. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And and these three, I want to go into these three in a little bit detail after the break, but, um, you know, these three kind of merge together to to really you know, form that culture. And and let's use just a quick example for a minute, okay? Um, You know, everybody talks about Google's culture, okay? Um, And and not just because it's functional and they have a cafeteria where everybody gets free food, okay? You know, but um, um, I mean... Why, when people talk about culture, that they they choose they talk about something like google does do, do Google does Google have these three elements? You know, did they get it right or or are, are do we are we just kind of you know saying, ah, it must be good because they give free food
2: okay. yeah, I, I think that's a great point uh, that we shouldn't confuse perks with the culture. yeah, they they are a kind of a, a artifacts that maybe bring culture to life. But, to your point, what is the culture really about? So sometimes perks, for example, having free food and ping pong tables and stuff like that are good, eh, but are not just they're just nuances. And on the other hand, in many tech companies giving people free food, it's a, a very kind of manipulative way to get people to stay longer, so they're gonna eat there so they stay and work longer. No? so it's a it's not a so good kind of practice. For example, I remember a company that used to have a lot of, they created like a video game room, huge, gigantic, with all the consoles and games you could imagine, ping pong tables, football tables, whatever you need. But then when people were using those, the CEO was walking around and looking at people, like giving them a look like, hey, you're not working. So, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it, there's a, a, a contradiction between what people do and what they actually do, So for, uh, they say. So Google used to be a very healthy company, a very transparent, but lately on, in the past year or so, past two years, they started canceling their uh, all-hands meeting in which people had an open forum to ask any questions. And now the questions are not only filtered, but also people cannot ask questions that have to do with Values and politics and environmental issues and and so on and so forth. So basically, they have to focus on very. A functional a questions regarding to products. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Google used to be a very a good culture, but it has been suffering a lot, and we can get <laughs> into that deeper later. Yeah.
1: Well, I, you know, I think I think what you said about the perks is really right, you know, because we do kind of, you, you know, you think about three food and you think about culture, but it's not really we shouldn't mix that up. But we're going to take, um, Gustavo, we're going to take a short break and when we come back, I, I, I really want to dig into that a little bit um, deeper and and you know, talk about what works today, what doesn't work today, and talk about your cultural design canvas, which uh, um, is in your book, which is very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, for our listeners today, we are talking to Gustavo Rossetti, and he is the founder of Fearless Culture, and he has four books on cultural change on Amazon. And his insights have been featured in the New York Times, Psychology Today, Forbes, BBC, and Fortune. And his newest book is called Design a Company Culture That Will Help You Thrive in a Hybrid Workplace. And that's a great read on Amazon. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Gustavo, his his um, website is gustavoreziti.com. And he's also on Twitter under Gus Rezitti and on LinkedIn under Gustavo Rossetti and on Facebook under Gus so please reach out to him and do go to Amazon to look up the book. This broadcast is also brought to you by Cindy, and Cindy is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold trainings, conferences, market research, and do legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have thought leadership Thursdays at 1700 Central European time, and they have... Conferences and the next conference is May 21st to 23rd in Berlin next year. So learn more about CINDA on www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
0: Not enough women are talking about money. Lisa Chastain is aiming to change that. If you are feeling uncertain with your financial decisions, join us on Real Money, Mondays at 10 a.m. on the Voice America Business Channel, where you will learn how to become more capable with your financial choices. Listen in and hear stories from other women on how they tackled their financial challenges. You will learn from leading industry experts all the tips, tricks, and advice that you need to establish financial confidence and freedom. Listen in Mondays on Real Money with Lisa Chastain.
1: Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no.
0: Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune in to Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and
1: with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to Leadership Beyond Borders at gmail.com. Again, that's Leadership Beyond Borders at Gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we're talking about culture. And we're talking about, you know, cultural. What are the elements of culture? And we're talking about corporate culture. And our guest today is Gustavo Rossetti, and he's the CEO and founder of Fearless Culture. And he's an author of Forbes on Cultural Change, available on Amazon. And his insights have been in The New York Times, Psychology Today, Forbes, BBC, and Fortune. And his new book is on the market called Design a Company Culture That Will Help You Thrive in a Hybrid Workplace. And he's also the creator of the cultural design canvas, which we're going to talk about right now. But before we talk about that, I I want to go back to what we just concluding the last segment. So we talked about, you know, uh, not confusing perks with culture and and the three core elements of, you know, the belonging, the alignment and the functional part of culture. So, you know, we're in this hybrid um, environment and we We gave an example of well, unfortunately, Google that has kind of lost their culture. So what really works today? Um, yeah, and I guess my question, Gustavo, is, can you have one of these elements and the and not the other two, and if you have one, are you going to have a good culture, or do you have to have all, you know be good at all three?
2: I think that you need to be good at all three. No? So, for example, when we talk about belonging, sometimes companies put the emphasis on belonging and create that emotional connection between team members, but they forget about, okay, if we don't have a clear purpose, a clear alignment into what we're trying to achieve, then, yeah, we get along really well, but then what are we working for? What are we trying to achieve together? Mm. So we need to work on the three elements uh, some companies fare better in one than the other. And that's when the work comes to friction in terms of, okay, how can we design a better culture? What are the pockets or uh, areas in which we can improve? To your point, culture is dynamic. So no company culture is perfect. You're always working on culture. I would say it's like a wicked problem, one of those complex problems that uh, you never get to solve. And the moment you fix something, there's something else that needs to be taken care of. So <laughs> it. it It's like the environmental issues or hunger and other issues that you never get to solve them. You always need to work on that. And and that's one thing that leaders need to understand. It's not a one-off that you write a deck and, oh, I have a great culture. You have to take care of the culture of your team, of your company, of your family (laughs) on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, because if you don't, you'll start to lose it, as we were talking about the example. But um, really, really, that was a, a, a burning question for me. And now I, what I would like to do is, is, is in your book, you talk about the cultural design canvas. So what is that?
2: Yeah, the cultural design canvas is a framework and a tool to uh, codify the culture of a team or a company in one page. It's a version. I mean, I know some of the audience might be familiar with the business model canvas that was created by Alex Osterwalder to define your business model. Well, this tool, it's the culture version of it. So, how to map your current culture, and it works in three stages. The first is to qualify what's the current culture. When I say current, is the culture that the people experience, not the. A a official culture that's written on a deck or on the office wall or in the background of a Zoom call. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: The second step it's about assessing. So the culture canva has, following the three structures that we mentioned before, it has a total of 10 blocks. Each blocks, for example, feedback, behaviors, decision making, we analyze based on the mapping to see which of those blocks are working, which are not so good and which are in big trouble. And then when we move to the third phase, which is design, we start working on how can we improve uh, those building blocks of culture. Mm-hmm.
1: So when when you start to do this with a company or a team, uh, I, I, I'm sure there's some surprises coming out here because, you know, people have one vision of their culture and, um, and then when you start to ask employees what they're experiencing, something else comes out. Um, so, I mean, how how difficult and how painful is this as you go through this process so you can get to a culture which really everybody's working for a common goal, they feel belong, and there's speed and agility. Um, how long does this take to go through this process?
2: Yeah, I would say the process is not painful. It <laughs> feels painful at first, but then people really... No, really, people, the participants love it. We do sessions with different team members from different groups and and use uh, the right word you said, experience. So we want to, what we want to qualify in the map is how people experience the culture, not what they've been told or what it's supposed to be, what what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And I think those conversations are first cathartic. So people, by starting talking about issues that they usually don't uh, explicitly talk about, they feel really, oh, people are paying attention. They start realizing, well, we're not so bad. Maybe they will have some things that are really working. So we want to build on that. But also, there are things that they say, well, we identify the problems. And when they start discussing the problems, they also realize maybe we shouldn't stop. We should stop waiting for the leader to fix everything. And there are some things that we can fix on our own. So it's really good on that. It's surprising for some people, painful, maybe, as you said that when we uncover the gaps, so leaders tend to have a more beautified, more perfectionist kind Mm. of view of their culture for two reasons. First, because they are not aware of the issues affecting everyday people, the frontline employees. And second, because leaders are so ingrained into the future state, what they're trying to accomplish, the culture they dream, that they get stuck in that vision. And they cannot distinct what's their ideal version of culture with the real one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, that, that I can foresee quite a bit. So, I mean, it, so you go through this process and everybody shares and then you assess where those gaps are. So once once you find those gaps, um, you talk about some steps that you take to 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 redefine um in your book to you know the five steps to 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 kind of redefine the culture or or get to the culture could you talk a little, a little bit about that
2: sure the first part has to do with we need to reset the culture especially companies that uh, have adopted by choice or by force the a, a hybrid environment they need to reset the culture and this is something that a reset means like when you restart any electronic device and everything goes back into place and, and, and updates the software and start functioning well, that's exactly what you need to do to culture. And that means getting rid of the bugs, getting rid of the things mm-hmm. that uh, no longer serve you. And, and this is hard. You no. Know? So we experience a lot of tensions, stack of wars between leaders forcing people back into the office. It happened to Google, it happened to Apple, it, it happened to Tesla, even uh, the Musk now uh, tried to force Twitter, who had a very flexible work from home, uh, work from anywhere policy, to force employee back to the to the office. And now he's realizing, hey, people are not going to do it. So reset means you need to let go of how you think, uh, how you think things used to be, and realize that we're living a new reality. Then. we move into alignment. So what are we trying to achieve? We redesign the future state working with your team members and then we work into belonging, how to ensure that what are the practices that we want to adopt to keep that culture alive. Yeah, we're going to be working remotely, some in the office, some some in a hybrid setting, but we need to make sure that we intentionally create spaces for building interpersonal relationship to improve how we communicate to make sure that people feel safe to participate and speak up. And then the other two steps have to do with collaboration. So another uh, thing that has changed is we we no longer need to think of collaboration in terms of real time. You don't need to be on the same call or in the same place or in the same meeting to collaborate. Actually, most of the collaboration needs to happen asynchronously. So at people's own uh, uh, pace, and this is more effective, but also it adapts to the flexibility that a hybrid workplace brings to a table, and lastly it's about how to increase speed and decision making in a hybrid environment
1: mm-hmm. okay hey, I'd like to take a couple of those for a minute and and just maybe start with the um with the reset, okay, and you know we we are in this hybrid um, environment right now and you know, people – I liked your example of, of Twitter saying, you know, get back to the office or, you know, Google saying get back to the office and people saying, no, 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 we're not going to do this anymore. So um, what, you know, what has happened here in – with this new hybrid, okay, um, just from – a matter of creating a culture when there's a, when, when there's a choice, okay? So, you know, I choose that I'm going to sit home and you're going to choose, Gustavo, that you're going to go in the office. So as a leader, that, that's kind of a complex um, challenge to have. And and how how do you work with this challenge to, to reset the culture?
2: I think that the biggest challenge is that people think, still think some leaders, many leaders, that the pandemic was more of a hiatus rather than a disruption. Instead of thinking that things have changed, they think, oh, that was a like a, a deviation, now we're going back to normal. And that's uh-huh. not the case. So it, this is a workplace revolution that we've been experiencing and now it has, has accelerated. So they need to reset how they see work. For example, we used to have a very... Uh, Clear line or kind of between work and personal life. People don't no longer want to do that. Actually, it was unsustainable trying to find what people call the work life balance because we're one entity, we're one human being, and we cannot draw a line or build a wall between the two. And the pandemic made us realize that hey, I'm in a Zoom call and my kid, my dog can show up, right? But <laughs> yep. I also, started talking about burnout, a thing that was affecting the workplace before the pandemic, but people ne- never it felt safe to bring up and discuss burnout with your managers. It also brought up the idea, hey, I, there are different groups. I have maybe elderly people that I need to take care of, or maybe I have kids that have very complex schedules. So I need to adapt the workplace and my workday to my life and not the other way around. So many people are still stuck in the location thing. So, People look for flexibility, but it's not just where they work from, but also when and most importantly, how. And this is the most critical thing. People are rethinking work. We shouldn't have a schedule that's nine to five. I need to adapt how I work and what I work to my real life. And many companies have shown us that that's not only possible, but actually people deliver much better results. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and actually, I, I think that's a very good point because there's many of these companies who who have adapted to that and realize that you know it's kind of what I call just have a work life blending now. You know, because um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's not it's just blending, yeah. you know, because I kind of feel like that when I'm at home with my family. You know, so um, you know, um, but you're right, and that's kind of resetting and getting that mind that this wasn't one off. This is the this is our future. Okay. Um, And and, and excellent points there. Um, we're going to take we're going to take another short break, and I, I still I want to dig into you know these 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 steps of trying to create a culture and and really see what the future is going to look like. And so, for our listeners, we are talking about corporate culture, and we're talking about the changes and the shifts that we've experienced since the pandemic, and the shift, you know, what the future is going to look like. And we're talking with Gustavo. Razzetti and he's the CEO of Fearless Culture and he is an author of four books on cultural change and his insights have been featured in New York Times, Psychology Today, Forbes, BBC, Fortune and many others and his new book on the market is is addressing this new problem that we have with hybrid workplace. And it's design a company culture that will help you thrive in the hybrid workplace. And he's also the creator of the Cultural Design Canvas, which we just talked about. And so I I urge you to reach out to him. Um, You can reach out to him on his website, gustavorazzetti.com. And he is on Twitter and Facebook under Gus Razzetti. And he is on LinkedIn under Gustavo Razzetti. So please reach out to him and go to Amazon for his new book. And this broadcast is also being brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing non digital marketing and local search associations. It holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, does legislative white papers, focus on digital. And they also have Thought Leadership Thursdays at 1700 central europe time each week and they also have an e-learning platform in cooperation with boss capital for startups product managers and smbs that help companies succeed so to learn more about cinda go to www.cinda.org and with that we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID 19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Youth on Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today our guest is Gustavo Rossetti, and he's the CEO and founder of Fearless Culture. And he is also an author of four books on cultural change, and he's contributed to many, he's been featured in New York Times, Psychology Today, Forbes, BBC, and we're very fortunate to have him on the show today. And he also has a new book out, and this is kind of what our discussion is going around today, design a company culture that will help you thrive in a hybrid workplace so gustavo before um we talked about this resetting and and having all of us okay understand that you know the pandemic wasn't a one time off you know this is now forming our food future or our future was formed by this and um allowing flexibility in the workplace from time, because we are living with work-life blending right now, okay? And, um, you know, I might go in the office, you may stay there, you know, I have kids who need schoolwork after, whom I might work at night, I'm in Germany, you're in Chicago, we have to fix our times. So, with all this flexibility, how do you then start to build the culture of belonging, Because, you know, some people don't like Zoom, some people want to be in person, you know, there's different time zones. I mean, in this new hybrid environment, um, what are the challenges that companies are facing to make sure that people feel they belong?
2: Absolutely. Um, One thing that's important is uh, people confuse, you mentioned Zoom, no? So, a lot of people started practicing like icebreakers, share something personal uh, two lies and uh, two truths and one lies, things like that, games, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, that maybe were helpful at the beginning of the pandemic, but that's not how you create belonging. So I think mm-hmm. that belonging is about being intentional are uh, how to bring people together. And there are different tools from a, one, for example, guidance is every time you're meeting with people, if you're having a Zoom call or whatever, spend at least 10%, 10, 15 maybe at the most of the time in building those interpersonal relationships. So checking in how people are. For example, we use the metaphor of uh, what was the weather like for you for your work last week? No, and mm-hmm. we share a visual and people say, Well, maybe mine was stormy, maybe mine was cloudy, and they start talking about how they are feeling in a more interesting way. So metaphors are a really powerful way to get people to talk about. Emotions, no, and and also meaningful paying attention. Another way, another tool that we use that is really successful is we encourage people to write their washing instructions. No, the same Mm -hmm. way that a cloth has a label that describes how they should be treated, uh, we need to understand how our colleagues need to be treated because we shouldn't treat people how we want to be treated, but we need Mm -hmm. to do it. How so, this is about understanding what are the communication preferences. Some people prefer email over Slack. Some people say, hey, give me a short call and we can fix the problem together. Some people say, hey, I'm a night owl. I'm not good at uh, early in the morning. Please avoid scheduling meetings. Some people might say, I don't like to be uh, put in front of a large crowd and ask questions. So it it provides a lot of personal human insights about your colleagues. And this is really powerful so you can adjust. Another element about belonging is don't force it. So if you create team rituals, if you create activities for people to participate, make it optional. Some people want Mm -hmm. to take more time. So uh, adapt them. Don't come with a corporate solutions. Create the solutions with your team. So the more you co-create the tools and activities that are going to create that belonging, the more people are going to own them. So we use, for example, team rituals. And team rituals help like, for example, creating body systems are really effective for people. And you can use those without technology. We work with a team that they create like a ritual in which they write a letter to each of their bodies on a, 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 a weekly basis. And in the letter, they share maybe recipes, maybe pictures, maybe a food that they like and stuff. So it's more of a conversation with a physical element. So when you get at the... Your mail, and you're receiving a letter from your colleague, that's a powerful message. It's, it's not a Zoom call, it's more human. The person took the time to write it by hand, so it's a really, really wonderful practice. So, there are many ways mm-hmm. you can do it. The most important, don't force it, don't if, if, if force people to participate, they don't want to, but also involve them in creating the practices. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but you know, I really like this washing. Instructions. That's brilliant. Okay, um, because you know there are really people, especially where, we're, um, and maybe your comment on this, Gustavo, where it's not just about the culture of of what time and flexibility and things, but we're we're working with five generations right now, and you know some people like to use emails, um, some people like to use WhatsApp, some people like to use Slack, and. Um, I'm not a WhatsApp person I remember somebody kept sending me stuff on whatsapp and I never even looked and then there was like two weeks of whatsapp stuff there you know and so no that's a, that's a really really brilliant idea on that and um, I can see how that can bring belonging and then let's ju- let's go a little bit step further to that so you know this is belonging and and um, collaboration okay you talk about you know rethinking collaboration you know know, to make this work and the, you know, we all work for a common goal. How do we do it? Um, how do you do, rethink what collaboration in this hybrid environment?
2: Absolutely. I think the first uh, step is to stop thinking that collaboration re- needs to happen in real time. Mm-hmm. So there are two types of work that people need to do. There's many, you know, but I'm trying to simplify here. People can go deeper into the, if they read the book, it's, there's deep work, and then there's more like casual work or shallow work, okay? So shallow work, it's sending emails, chit-chatting with your colleagues, uh, scheduling meetings, uh, maybe taking care of expense reports, things that we need to do that are part of any regular team like writing a to-do list, right? Uh, uh, Getting together to check uh, priorities of different uh, project elements. But deep work is the thing that really moves the needle. It's mm-hmm. when you are defining your team strategy, you are creating a new product, you are developing the marketing a plan to launch a new device or a new feature of your software. And that's where the magic happens. Unfortunately, most teams spend close to 70% of their time doing shallow work, day-to-day minutiae, and only a small fraction doing deep Work. The work that really changes things, that moves the needle, that brings the results that companies are looking for. Mm-hmm. So that's the f- first shift. How can we start uh, moving towards doing more uh, deep work, either individual deep work or collective deep work? Mm-hmm. And that requires changing how we approach, because if we're always in meetings, we're always in call, we're not going to have time to do significant work so there are many ways that people can work on that regard first is to uh, move towards async first so try to most of the collaboration that you have to put in place to do it at people's own time rather than in real time Mm -hmm. so you can make decisions for example you can write a document let's say Kimberly has an idea she provides the background to the team she said hey I'm exploring doing xyz then the team members, when they have time and when also they are in the good mode, because we don't want people to react to a decision. They want to reflect on it. Mm-hmm. So asynchronous give us time to reflect, to capture our thoughts, to share our ideas, ask questions. So that's a more effective way, for example, to make decisions than to get everyone in a room and say, hey, we need to uh, come out of this meeting with something.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I like that because you're right. I mean, you think about all the... The, the casual work that we do that seems to occupy our times and and it really does not move the company forward. So, um, I mean, you're, a lot of this is outlined in your book and I, I really encourage people to look at it. Um, we're, we're moving towards the end of the, the broadcast today. So, you, you work with a lot of companies. Um, is there something, is there uh, one big challenge that you see that kind of most people are struggling with, or is it, you know, some people are struggling with one part and other people are struggling another part? Um, you know, what? as leaders, what do we have to pay attention to? Okay. You know, what are you seeing with companies in this new hybrid environment?
2: The first struggle is people are looking for the new nine to five. So <laughs> if they say, if I need to get rid of a system or an idea or a model, what's the new one? And unfortunately, there's maybe there's never going to be because we're moving from a one-size-fits-all approach to a flexible approach. So each company has to create their own model and that requires experimentation, iteration, to make mistakes, to realize that you don't know what the answer is and you need to create it. And you need to, most importantly, co-create it with your team. You cannot come up with a solution on your own. Mm -hmm. And not every leader is ready to let go of that power, of that control. And uh, at first, uh, acknowledge, hey, I don't know, I don't have the answers. And second, invite people because that requires a humility, it requires vulnerability to invite people to uh, uh, come uh, and, and join them.
1: Mhm. Yeah. I um, I like that and um I and experimenting's okay, isn't it? And and I like the way you say to to invite the team and invite the ideas and experiment in. Um so we have a, you know we have a, a lot of leaders listening to this show. Um and, you know, a lot of us know we, we do have to make some kind of shift. We have to do something. So um, talking to the leaders out there, what what's the first step you take? Okay. I mean, how, I, you know, I have a company. I know that, you know, everything's not perfect and, and, and we're now in a hybrid environment and I kind of don't know what to do. So so what's the advice that you have to leaders out there? You know, um, where do I start?
2: The first thing that we uh, help leaders do is reflect first on their own before we jump into the team. Because usually when something's not working or there are issues, leaders tend to immediately jump into saying, hey, what are people doing wrong? What are they missing? Rather than self-assess what they should do better themselves. Yeah. Uh, The first step is understanding what are your fears, what are you afraid of? Because this is a major shift and it requires reflecting that we no longer need leaders that are heroic. We don't need heroes. We don't need that people that are gonna save the world that we saw in, 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 in Braveheart, the movies, or people <laughs> thinking of uh, Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, people that are, they have the magic touch because that's not how those people operate actually. It's the PR uh, version of their stories, but also if we want to succeed in a very complex world that requires a lot of skill sets, a lot of stuff, you need to involve people. So rather than being the hero that's gonna save the day, leaders should be facilitators. They should be facilitators of culture, creating the right environment, promoting the right conversations for people to find the solution. So they need to lead with questions, not with answers. One thing that's interesting about being a facilitator is not about making people easy or being overly protective by any means, but it means to remove unnecessary pains. So people can focus their energy and passion in the right direction. So one thing that Google did a couple of months ago, they sent an email to all the employees saying, hey, what speed bumps are getting in the way? And we can help you get rid of those. So our role is to remove the unnecessary speed bumps so you can do your work better, faster, without unnecessary pains. And I think that's when we realize that, then magic can happen.
1: Wow, well, it's a great analogy. I like removing the speed bumps. Um, well, you know, thank you so much. This has been this has been extremely interesting, and um, I could go on chatting with you for another hour because I think the the elements in their book are um, really really great, and um, your insights are fantastic. And for our listeners. Um, We've been talking with Gustavo Rossetti, and he is the CEO of Fearless Culture, and he has four books on cultural change out, and his insights have also been featured in the New York Times, Psychology Today, Forbes, BBC, Fortune, and many others and um, the new book that's out is called Design a Company Culture that will help you thrive in a hybrid workplace and I highly recommend it and Fearless Culture is a cultural design consultancy that helps teams do their best work of their lives and for more than 20 years Gustavo has helped leaders from Fortune 500 companies startups nonprofits, and everything in between and he's also the creator of the Cultural Design Canvas now I'd like to learn more about him please go to his website Gustavo Rossetti and he is also on LinkedIn under Gustavo Rossetti and on Facebook and Twitter under Gus Rossetti. And Gustavo, thank you. I love the closing, closing tip for the leaders to remove the speed bumps. Super analogy. And I hope many of our leaders will will pick up your book and and read it. Um, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today.
2: Thank you, Kimberly. And thank you for the audience to uh, listen to our conversation. I was really excited about, and, and me too, could continue going on and on. But uh, I enjoyed the conversations. Thank you again for having me.
1: Yeah, And thank you. And I enjoyed the conversation very, very much. So listeners, please reach out and please don't forget to get the book, Design a Company Culture That Will Help You Thrive in a Hybrid Workplace. And we'd also like to thank... Our sponsors, which is Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, legislative white papers focused on digital. They have thought leadership Thursdays. Um, on uh, CINDA.org, and that's 1700 CET. They also have an e-learning platform, in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups, product managers, and SMBs. And their next uh, large conference, it'll be held in Berlin, May 21st to 23rd next year. So if you'd like to get more information on CINDA, please go to www.CINDA.org. And thank you all for listening. We do have listeners from all over the world. And we are live at 3 p.m. every uh, specific time, every Tuesday. And if you can't listen to us live, then don't worry, on every single major podcast platform across the web, just look up Leadership Beyond Borders. And with that, thank you for listening. Thank you, Gustavo, and tune in again next week.